Okay, so I am back with Brad Palumbo. Brad and I recorded our episode last Thursday, and then on Saturday, two of the media magnates we discussed on that episode very rudely dropped an unexpected YouTube collab, Taylor Lorenz times, or is it times or X? Taylor Lorenz X lives of TikTok. This was our generation's Nixon versus Frost except our two greatest public intellectuals were duking it out over cold brew at a sidewalk cafe in Los Angeles. And this was obviously enough of a podcast emergency to bring Brad back. So he's here. We're going to discuss this historic event. Uh, if you're a premium subscriber, a primo, you're going to hear the whole the whole conversation. And if you're a free subscriber, a primo, you're going to get a generous preview. And if you want to hear the whole thing, you can join us at blockedandreported.org and get access to all of our extra content. Brad, welcome back. Thanks, but I don't know how much of an emergency this truly was. I think you were just looking for an excuse to hang out with me again. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I was, personally, I was shocked when I saw this drop. What did you think? No, I was shook. Because on both, (laughs) uh, on both ends, I'm, I'm surprised that each of them did it. Right. So this is a totally, this is an interview slash conversation between Taylor Lorenz, you know, the liberal journalist who covers everything online and libs of TikTok creator Chaya Raichik. Oh, wait, wait, and we have to do a correction first. I got a bunch of corrections after I put out the last episode on our Primo feed. It is Haya, not Chaya. We don't speak Hebrew, obviously. Yes, no, we apologies. don't. That was an anti-Semitic uh, microaggression on our part. <laughs> it's a microaggression. Um, so Haya and Taylor actually got together. And I'm surprised, I was kind of surprised by this on two counts. One, Taylor is the type that complains about like platforming extremists. Right. But in her view, I mean, Libs of TikTok in her view is certainly an extremist. And not only did she interview her, but she just dropped the full thing unedited, which shout out to her. I actually think that's like the best thing to do, not like Mm -hmm. deceptively edit it or uh, post it with an accompanying fact check, but just let viewers decide for themselves. I'm just surprised that Taylor did this, and I wonder how it's going over with her fans and supporters. Okay, we're going to get back to that. But before we get to that, did you notice, Brad, that these are two greatest public intellectuals? They are fucking twins, are they not? They do look kind of similar, but also it might have helped in that association that Haya was wearing a t-shirt with Taylor's face on it in an odd and position. Not just, yeah, not just any <laughs> picture. This was this like famous now meme photo of Taylor. She did an interview with, I think, one of the cable networks, or maybe it was like NBC or something, about online harassment. And she starts crying. And so there's this unflattering photo of Taylor that, you know, has been turned into a meme. And Haya shows up to the interview with that on a fucking t-shirt and a box full of masks. <laughs> it kind <laughs> it's of like so mean girl. It's hilarious. It's trolly and, and mean spirited, obviously. It's kind of hilarious. But it reminds me of the Dr. Phil episode where this dude showed up dressed as Dr. Phil. He had shaved his head, (laughs) copied Dr. Phil's exact suit, put on a fake mustache or whatever. And then he responded to Dr. Phil's attempt to interview him by impersonating Dr. (laughs) Phil back to Dr. Phil. Okay. If, if, if I wanted to do that, she would have had to wear an N95 um, on her own because yes, Taylor is also wearing an N95 during this mask outside on a sunny day in Los Angeles. 
What did you think of that? Um, well, I think it's kind of ridiculous and absurd at the same time. Like it's it's her life and it, her body. So if she wants to, her body, her choice. Yeah. And I, I think she might have some sort of immune condition or something that has her immune system compromised. I'm still not sure that there's much scientific basis to be wearing a mask outside when you're sitting six feet away from somebody. But I it's the kind of thing I'd roll my eyes at, but ultimately like she's not hurting anyone, I guess. I just I do find it a little bit indicative of her vibe (laughs) right well the thing about taylor and the masking is and thank god jesse is not here he would just be like sitting here like nervously chewing on his hands uh so the thing about taylor masking is like she has made such a big deal out of masking and a lot of her twitter presence in recent months maybe even years is not it's not even like her beat her online beat she's really just talking about covid about she's really concerned about long covid because she says she's immunocompromised see i wouldn't know because i've been blocked since like um, 2019 yeah and the thing that i find interesting about this is like at some point i wonder if she's going to give it up because it's very performative at this point she masks to it seems like almost every event if she's on stage she'll be masked although there is a famous photo of her floating around with all of these celebrities like Kathy Griffin like resistance lib celebrities Kathy Griffin Rosie O'Donnell Chrissy Teigen I think is in the photo and she's not masked so maybe she makes exceptions for A-listers uh or maybe those are B or C-listers anyway so but I, I do wonder like is she going to do this forever is this it? Is she going to be 80 years old continuing to mask because she will not give it up? She's not the only one, though. There's an entire uh, pocket of TikTok that uncritically argues that the pandemic never ended and never meaningfully subsided, which of course is like just belied by looking at any graph of hospitalization or deaths, but mm-hmm. they take it, it. It's almost like they're vaccine deniers. Like, no, the vaccine really didn't work. They almost are. And they're also just, it's the same kind of like vibes over facts thing and they get down their own form of conspiracy rabbit holes and it intersects with kind of like their rhetoric about marginalized identities oftentimes so oftentimes it's like disability tiktok talking about why you should still be masking in 2024 now of course they're just they're speaking as if it's still march of 2020 and the facts have changed but they've clung to this and i think there's probably an interesting psychological analysis to be done as to why like why do people cling to these things the same way that i think why do we continue things that don't actually work in terms of like tsa right where you know nine out of Mm -hmm. ten things of contraband get through but we still take our shoes off because it makes us feel safe and i wonder if some of this is the same. Yeah, I would argue TSA is because TSA is getting a very generous funding. But anyway, okay, so let's get to the interview. We're going to play a bunch of clips here. But before we get to that, what was your overall impression of the interview? My actual overall impression was that Hayek didn't come off well. And actually, no. this is an example of how platforming an extreme figure, which is something that some in progressive media think shouldn't be done, actually sometimes, and this is kind of the more classic free speech position that I hold, sunlight can be the, the best form of disinfectant. And I think that when Haya was pushed even modestly on some of her positions, she couldn't really explain things or what, it, it just revealed her to be kind of a surface level outrage activist without much substance or nuance or thought behind her arguments to me in a way that uh, I think isn't shocking, but 
all has hasn't happened when she's just done super friendly short form interviews on Fox News or whatever. And in that sense, I think Taylor came off better for sure. Oh, absolutely. Haya has never done a difficult interview and it shows like she did get a few jabs in and, and we'll get to those in the clips. But no matter what you think about Taylor or her journalism or her ethics, she knows how to conduct a difficult interview. She was prepared with difficult questions. And aside from a, a few moments, she I thought she largely succeeded in deflecting Haya's attempts to, to pull a gotcha on her. Should we roll the first clip here? Okay, yeah, let's roll the first clip. How do you kind of square? Would you say, I feel like you are, or at least I feel like you've spoken about free speech before and the need for free speech and sort of supported Elon Musk's sentiments in that area. Would you say that you're a free speech supporter? Yeah. So how do you square the sort of being this free speech supporter with wanting to ban literature? What kind of literature? Any kind of literature. I mean, I, I would think that What kind of literature am I trying to ban? Oh, I thought you were just trying to say you're, that you have, I mean, you've made an effort to get books removed from schools. What kind of books? Books t- dealing with LGBTQ people and sexual no, that's education. that's not what I said. Oh, so you're not trying to get any books banned from school. Uh, that's not what I said either. Okay, why don't you explain to me what, how you're thinking about this? You just accused me of wanting to ban books. What kind of books am I trying to ban? Uh, you tell me. I'm not trying to ban anything. But you're not trying to ban any books. Who said I'm trying to ban books? Are you trying to remove books from libraries? From public school libraries. Okay. So how do you square your sort of notion of free speech and free expression and allowing all of that stuff with wanting literature removed and wanting access to information removed? What kind of literature? You tell me. Uh, porn. Gay porn. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, Haya is trying to ban books. I mean, I looked up the definition of a book ban according to PEN America, and that's any action to limit access to a book that was previously available. And that is absolutely what she and other people are doing. And the books that she's talking about, books like Genderqueer, I happen to agree with her that that book in particular is not appropriate for elementary and middle school libraries, and it never should have been there in the first place. I am in favor of banning that book. I will admit that. It, like, genderqueer was never intended to be YA literature. It is an it is adult literature for ad- for grownups with graphic illustrations of sex acts. It doesn't belong in elementary schools. But Haya is denying that she wants these books banned, which is false. Like, out of one side of her mouth, she's saying that she doesn't want the books in schools, and the other side, she's saying she doesn't support book bans. It's just very confusing. And then she's pretending that the books are gay pornography, which is also false. The intention of pornography, I'm like, I'm quoting from the dictionary here. The intention of pornography is to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic or emotional feelings. So even if some of these books are inappropriate for schools, and I think they are, that's not what these books are. They aren't, they aren't gay porn, but she's trying to act like schools have like copies of like cock and balls magazine in the library no they don't and that's actually a pretty good point because a book can simultaneously be sexually explicit and contain for example one of these books has like a diagram of a blowjob um and yet not be porn at the same time because if it's right. if it's meant to be in there for you know story purposes or educational purposes or something like that then that's not technically pornography now you could still argue it's inappropriate that is too sexually explicit yeah. to be in a middle school library or even a high school library but to call it gay porn is obviously hyperbolic and misleading i mean trust me <laughs> that's not what gay porn looks, <laughs> looks like uh, but i can the on the first point i can kind of see I 
I, I think this is a good example of where the left and right are speaking past each other because it all depends on what you define as a book ban. Mm-hmm. If you accept Pan America's definition, then absolutely she's advocating for book bans. I think the right's reluctance to concede that framework is around the fact that like when we think book bans, we think like Soviet Union legal restrictions on the publication and distribution of a book. We don't think that um, – you know, if you can buy a book on Amazon and have it on the next day delivered to your doorstep, is it really banned just because it's removed from a library? To me, it's kind of a semantic or language question. It is unquestionable that Haya is trying to remove books from school libraries that she thinks is inappropriate. But I don't know if I view that as, look, to some degree, a lot of what Libs of TikTok does is inconsistent with free speech advocacy, but I'm not sure that inherently is completely out of line with free speech because basically everybody, including the most diehard free speech supporters, would agree that some books aren't appropriate for middle school libraries. Then it's a question of curation and drawing the line. And I think Haya and people in her camp draw the line in an unreasonable place and mischaracterize a lot of the material. But I don't know if I view the entire endeavor as illegitimate or hypocritical in the same way that Taylor's trying to paint it. But at the same time, I also have to say that like she was not able to defend herself very well in this club, Haya. She really couldn't respond to these questions well. And, and it really did seem that once she got poked a little bit, her... Um, arguments didn't really have a second layer to defend herself. I don't think she's used to this kind of scrutiny. No, I don't think she is, which is because she spends her time tweeting. And then every once in a while, she does a friendly (laughs) interview on Fox News. She's an independent journalist, Katie, an independent (laughs) journalist. Okay, uh, books come up again later in the interview. I will say, do you think we should give kids porn in school, the the images of like gay sex? I, so I had public, again, I went to public school and in public school, at least when I was growing up, we were absolutely given, um, literature, you know, explaining sex, educating people. It had pictures of like anal sex. Oh, absolutely. And it actually talked about condom use. What grade? God, I mean, I don't remember, but certainly probably middle school. I think that's when we had sex ed. Okay. Taylor and I are the same age. Contrary to public opinion, she is not 57 years old. She is in her late 30s. There is no fucking way her Connecticut public school shows showed images of anal sex to middle school students in sex ed. There's no way. Sex ed was a huge... Uh, Brad, I know that you were a zygote in the 90s, but sex ed was a huge part of the culture war in the 90s with battles taking place all over the country about comprehensive sex ed versus abstinence-based sex ed. Like if Taylor said that she was taught to put a condom on a banana in high school, I would believe that, even though that shit, that didn't happen where I lived. But pics of anal in middle school, no fucking way. And I asked around just to make sure that maybe my school wasn't the outlier here in schools outside of rural North Carolina. We're showing middle schoolers images of gay sex or anal or straight anal. No, no, this didn't happen anywhere. I mean, maybe in the 70s, but not the 90s. Anyway, I just don't believe her when she says that. I'll take your word for it. I was born in 1997, so I don't have a lot of insight to (laughs) offer on that. I will say my sex ed experience was, uh, let's see, this would have been like 2013, 2014 in high school in the suburbs of, of Boston, basically. And we had like basic sex ed in terms of heterosexual sex. I don't really think 
anything gay was covered. Um, but it was like STD, pregnancy prevention, all that. And what I right. found interesting was that Haya went on in the interview to say not just that she wants the books depicting like gay sex acts or other things removed, but actually that all sex ed should be removed from public schools mm-hmm. because she said she doesn't trust public school teachers to do it. And that maybe after they remove it all, they can Im- implement it again someday in a more reasonable form. But in the short term, kind of just get rid of all sex ed. Like in a, a more reasonable form, like you have people like Haya appointed to the board deciding <laughs> what, is, what is included in sex ed. Well, what I find uh, a little head scratching about this, and to be clear, this isn't like a Haya take. This is kind of a, a somewhat rides, widespread in the religious right take, like get sex yeah. ed out of public schools. But what I find bizarre about this is that these are the pro-life crowd, right? And what causes abortion? Unwanted pregnancies. And one of the the best things you can do to reduce unwanted pregnancies is to educate people about the different forms of birth control and how procreation works. I mean, you'd be surprised. You'd kind of think that everybody has Google at their fingertips. Everyone would understand these things. No, you'd be surprised by how uninformed some of the public is or how they think the uh, pullout method is a legitimate form of birth control or other, other kinds of things. So if, if even like even before Roe was gone, even before a changing in abortion laws, we saw declines in the actual rate of abortion, absent changes in the laws. And a big reason, I suspect, was the improved education and sex ed and access to birth control. But it, it is interesting that the same people who are pro-life and involved in that side of advocacy are also anti-sex ed. It's never quite seemed to make much sense to me that you could hold both of those positions simultaneously and not see a contradiction. Well, yeah, I mean, this has always been the tension in that or the contradiction in that argument that uh, the the pro-life camp also wants abstinence-based education because if you're teaching abstinence-based education, you're not giving people the tools that they might need in order to uh, to safely have sex. But that's because they don't want people having sex. They don't want teenagers having sex, which I am a, it's a position I think is absolutely fine. Like, <laughs> I don't think teenagers should really be having sex either. But the problem is they're going to do it. Yeah, it's just naive, though. It's just naive. It's totally naive. But Taylor's overall point is that sex ed is that the people who should be deciding what is taught in sex ed are the experts sex ed experts and Haya keeps pushing her and Taylor's like I can't I can't, don't even have an opinion on this because I'm not a sex ed expert which I just like come on like you don't have to have a certificate or a degree to have an opinion on what schools should be teaching kids about sex. I, I like yeah, parents I agree. are going to have opinions on this. They are. And and that's one of the things that I don't I don't like is sometimes I think you see this a lot in liberal or progressive media is a overzealous appeal to experts. And then on the right, you often see kind of a total disregard for expertise Mm -hmm. or an inherent suspicion of expertise. And I think the best approach is probably somewhere in the middle. I think we saw in the COVID era, you can't just take everything the experts say as gospel, right? But you also can't disbelieve everything they say and believe everything that a podcast bro with a microphone has to say either, (laughs) or you'll end up injecting ivermectin (laughs) um, or bleach. (laughs) So, 
I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that's like the whole, well, what qualifications do you have to say that this book depicting a blowjob isn't appropriate? I mean, that's a little bit of a silly argument mm-hmm. because we all kind of have an idea, like common sense about what's appropriate for kids and what's not. And just appealing to expertise isn't really going to convince anybody. But I do find it interesting that Taylor um, is is pinning uh, pinning Haya down on taking these positions to their logical extreme, which is then get rid of all sex ed, I guess. So I don't know that that's something um, Haya had thought about that deeply before being pressed upon it. And it kind of showed. All right. That's all you get to listen to the rest of our conversation and to hear Haya's response to the question of what to do about the transgender menace. Subscribe at blockedinreported.org. Hope you enjoyed the preview.